work in the world and self-actualize. I am here to share with you what I've learned over the past 10 years that I think every woman should know about accessing your deep power through your sexual life force energy and relationship to money because it's truly mind-blowing and only taboo to keep you small. I blend together the latest in neuroscience and practical strategies, as well as teachings and principles from ancient traditions such as Tantra, Taoism, and alchemy. Thank you so much for joining me, and I can't wait to see you in the show. Hello, gorgeous, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this podcast where I am interviewing Erin May Henry. If you don't already know Erin, you are going to absolutely love her. And I just, it can sound cliche to say that, but I mean that with all seriousness. This is such an epic interview. We cover so many core points about business and success that I'm really passionate about and that are counter to a lot of the messaging that's out there. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen. We talk about Erin's business journey. We talk about our perspectives around business and what does actually help people create success. And we talk about, guys, we cover in this also spirituality is business, a path of spirituality and awakening. And we talk about sex. Yes, Erin opens up about how sex and sexuality have impacted her business and her life and her relationship to herself. So if you want all of that juiciness, you are going to love this episode. I know it's a little bit longer than usual, but trust me, it's absolutely worth it. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Well, welcome Erin to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I've actually, I've only just been dabbling with guest interviews on the podcast and I've had you on my mind since the beginning. Um, So I'm so excited that you said yes and you've decided to join us. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I was so excited as well when you reached out and you gave such a good pitch of like what the podcast (laughs) was about. You were like business, life, spirituality, sex. And I was like, Tick, 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 tick. All the things that I love to talk about. So let's do this as soon as possible. Do you know, okay, to just go straight off on a tangent from that, funny thing. So I um, I did this business course that taught about pitching to be a guest on other people's podcasts. And I remember actually you, I must have seen this so long ago, like maybe three or four years ago, you saying, saying you doing a bit of a rant about people pitching, I think to be on your podcast and being like, you've got to share, you know, what it is. Like you've got to make it compelling. Like give me a reason to have you on. And that, that really stuck with me coupled with what I learned from the other um, podcasts. And so I thought, you know, even the other way around, Like I've got to give you something clear to say yes to. And like, this is, Hey, this is what I want to talk about with you on the podcast. And I have, you know, since starting my own podcast, had some people pitch me who, um, who have just said, Oh, Hey, like if you ever want to have a chat, you know, I'd be happy to be on your podcast. And every time it's happened, I thought about about you and that initial thing that I, uh, that rant I heard of yours, because I was like, yeah, about what? Like, 
you know, come on. Give yeah. me, give me a little more. Do you know what? I swear to God, I have like it's not easy to do, and you can't do it for everyone. But I swear to God, I have like a trick for pitching to people to do any type of collaboration, and it's look for their speckled content. And what that actually means is, if they have a particular topic, and it's 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 got to be relevant to your audience as well. But if they have a particular topic that they maybe touch on every so often, but it doesn't really get infused into their overall content strategy, it seems like they have a yearning to talk about that particular thing. And so if you create a space where they can talk about that particular thing, like it's going to be super endearing for them to want to have that conversation because maybe they have fears about talking about it on their own platform or it just doesn't really fit in or they maybe don't feel like they can express it as an expert, but they can express it in a conversation. You know, and and the biggest Mm. thing that actually stood out to me in your little spiel of which you sent to me was <laughs> that the podcast was all about like sex and sexual empowerment and all of these different things. And obviously there's a range of different topics that you speak about, but like that was the one word that stood out to me. Cause it's like such a big part of like who I am. And there's so many things that I would love to talk about more, but I just like, don't again maybe it's just because there's so many other things that I focus on you know there's only so many hours in a day to speak about so many things but it was like it really was one of those little speckled things that like caught my attention I was like oh my god a platform to possibly have a conversation about connection to self and empowerment and embodiment and sexuality and all these things and I was like whether or not we go there today I'm like that was the reason why I was on here Yes, I love that. I love hearing that. And I think that kind of happens a bit with the topic of sex is like people don't really end up talking about it, but I think there can be this kind of yearning to, but then they're not really being per se like a space where it makes sense to bring it up. And funny you say that because I also saw a YouTube video of yours uh, a little while ago. I did a bit of a binge of some of your more recent content. And there was one where you you mentioned, I think, you know, going on a bit of a journey with your sexuality and, um, you know, talking about like the kind of importance and power of feeling yourself and your own mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And so I had thought, mm, I wonder if we, I wonder if we'll get to that on this podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, you did the second <laughs> content. You did it subconsciously. I love it. <laughs> yes. All right. So I haven't introduced Erin yet. So Erin um, is an amazing woman from Australia who teaches women basically to make money online, being themselves with their own businesses. Something I love about Erin is like, it's so much about, well, this is my perception anyway, <laughs> that like being in your full creative expression. And mm-hmm. that's what's really going to, you know, draw people to you, grow your business, get your work out there. Mm-hmm. And um Erin is such an inspiration as you would have gathered by now I have been connected to Erin and been following Erin for quite a long time actually I'm not quite sure how many I'm pretty years. sure when we went for coffee in Brunswick it was like 2018 so it must have been yeah. preceding that so <laughs> yeah it must have been before that and you're probably like the first like Australian person I came across I think that was you know really doing the online business thing around my age bracket, actually, yeah, around my age bracket and more around like my vibe. So yeah. And, and Erin's got a huge YouTube channel and so much amazing content on her YouTube. And I've been noticing as well, her Instagram has blown up 
I would say, that's my perception, blown up. Um, and yeah, you do so many reels, so much high energy, um, inspiring content. So welcome, Erin. Is there anything else you would like to add just about what you do and who you are. I just loved it. I loved that introduction. <laughs> I felt so special. Yeah, I guess like I, the biggest thing that I'm ultimately trying to achieve with my online business more so recently because I have been posting content on the internet for a long time. Like I'm going on eight years now. I started my YouTube channel a really long time ago and there's been many, many iterations of my brand, my messaging and what I actually do. But I love that you said getting people to own their full creative expression and, you know, t- like tailored with that as well. The other thing that I'm really, really trying to do is kind of break down some of the limiting beliefs, the collective limiting beliefs that we have in the industry. You know, some of them, including things such as people get really caught up in this trap of you have to be ultra specific and super, super niche in order to be Mm. successful. And Mm. that's not true. And, you know, having to reach a certain income amount in order to be seen as an expert. And that's not true. And our, our, our focus on everything just being about wealth creation and launches and monthly income versus actually serving people and having good conversations and creating change. So I'm trying to be a little bit of a bandit in the industry, if you will, and in the nicest way possible, just call some of the things out that I have run up against in my own journey. Some of the things that held me back for such a long time, making me feel that I needed to be more professional or have a better strategy and be less of myself in order to actually be successful. Because the biggest turning point for me was like, you know what, when I actually show up as myself, my true, true, you know, love to get dirty writing, that sounded based on our last conversation, that sounded, I'm going in a different direction, riding dirt bikes, (laughs) but you know, love to get, just, just whatever, you know, all the things that I do who make me who I am, like showing those and expressing those was actually the biggest turning point when you said my Instagram started to explode. It wasn't because I found this perfect you know, strategy or hashtags or started titling differently or creating really differently in any, any way. It was more so the energy of truly embracing myself. And now like, that's my biggest pursuit is to teach people how to do that so that they can have more fun and make a bigger impact. Yes. I'm just madly nodding over here. I just so agree with that. And, you know, a couple of things in particular, like, well, well, firstly, it's funny that um, we, what you said already came up because actually one of, I was like, oh, I should come up with a couple of questions just to help guide, you know, what I would love to share through this interview. And one of them was what is like the biggest bullshit things people are taught about growing a business? Um, and, you know, you just touched on some of them. and I have so many more. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> like I... Oh my God. I just so agree. And especially, you know, I, one of my main things obviously is helping people with money and change their relationship to money so that they can create, you know, the prosperity that they desire in their lives for the life they want to live. Right. But one of the things it might seem counter to that, but it's totally not. One of the things that sabotages people is this obsession with how much they're earning and that I've got to hit this income level. And it's not really based on anything other than the fact your ego thinks that that's going to make you worthy. And oh yeah, then, you know, then I, I will be like what you said, kind of like an expert that people will listen to because I can say in my posts, like, oh, I've, I made this much in a launch or this much in a year or this much in a, a month. And I kind of have an aversion. I just have such an aversion to that because I don't want to be a part of 
that mentality um, mm-hmm. that I, I almost feel like I just – I don't even want to put a spotlight, like I'll mention sometimes, you know, how much my business has earned, but I don't even want to put a spotlight on it because I don't want you to think that's what it's about and that's what makes you worthy. And then like, oh, here, you should come and join my things because I just made this much money. Like yeah. that's that's not what it's about. Yeah. And, and I agree. It's when you can really seriously actually shift that focus to service, mm-hmm. that gets your ego out of the way. It gets your self-sabotage out of the way. It gets your limiting beliefs out of the way. Yeah. Um, and it's it just makes I it just think, fun. Yeah. I've got a couple of things I really want to say on that, and it actually might help you a little bit in your perspective. But I think a lot of the time, and it's not just in this space, that when we really look at how change happens, a lot of the times it does come from the inside. You know, Mm -hmm. I visualize political issues where people are standing outside of a building screaming with signs to try change a bill or something like that. But it's, it's the, it's the actual people on the inside who make those decisions at the end of the day. I had a huge aversion to the coaching space and I still kind of am working mm. through this limiting belief, but coach to me almost became like a dirty word that I really didn't want to associate myself with until I turned around and said, hang on, rather than distancing myself from this industry altogether, because there's so much that I see wrong with this industry, like, oh my gosh, I did a reel recently about coaching calls, like just a funny one being like, um, you know, some of the things that people say on coaching calls or get taught to say on consultation calls for coaching. And there was a whole bunch of people replied with saying things like, a coach once told me to sell my car a coach told me to get a credit card. A coach told me that in order to invest in their program, you know, she could see my future. And the only thing that was going to unlock that was that I invested in this. And I recently watched The Tinder Swindler. I don't know if everyone's seen it on Netflix, but it's about a guy that basically swindles women out of money. And it was so cringy to me that this guy, this like criminal is basically using the exact same lines as some of the coaches are using to get people into their programs, like get a credit card, sell your car. Literally one of the comments from that post was like, sell your car to invest in this program. But anyway, there's just lots of things that I just see wrong with this industry. But I thought to myself, rather than distancing myself from it and trying to point fingers at the industry saying you're wrong and I'm right over here, rather I thought the best plan of attack is to be in it and to be an example of the opposite, to show that you still can be a coach in this space or a mentor or a teacher, but there is an alternate way to do things. There is an alternate perspective. And I'm not trying to create any type of division. I'm just trying to say, yeah, that's the way that some people are doing it. And I don't personally resonate with that or believe in that, but it's not the only way that you can be a coach. You don't have to, you know, uh, manipulate people into joining your programs or just focus on income or, you know, monthly launch goals and, and income goals and all of that stuff. Like you can focus on service. You can focus on authenticity. You can focus on personal branding and having fun. And it's like still going to work just as well as the other side does. And then it's, it's up to the consumer to choose where they want to go. But another thing that I really like resonate with your perspective on money in particular is like, I don't know, the energy that you give across for me is like, there is no one like version of wealth, you know? So it's not just like wealth has to look like the the Gucci slides and the Louis Vuitton bag or something like that. Like when you say prosperity, it just comes in so many different containers and so many different forms. And I think that's the most beautiful thing that we need more teachers out there showing that like, if you don't want to Uh, you know, just talk about your high income months and then showcase that or prove it by going and buying Mm. designer things. Like wealth can look like 
creating generational wealth or it can look like investing. I mean, I spent the weekend with a bunch of farmers who were like multimillionaires and they were in shorts, T-shirts and we ate off paper plates. Like there's just so many expressions of wealth and the more people that are out there like expressing that I think is such a beautiful thing. Yes. And, you know, I had a bit of a similar thing with the coaching space. I'm not sure if it's quite the same, but where I had this phase of feeling a real aversion and it was more like, I don't want to be associated with that. And I feel like people are going to perceive me a certain way if I say I'm a coach. And I, that was just an egoic thing that I had to get over. I was like, well, the fact of the matter is that I am a coach and that's what I love doing and that's how I help people and serve people. And so, I've just got to own it. And I've seen since in many networks, I mean, women say say things like, I'm not a coach or I don't want to call myself a coach and then have that stifle what is their truth, yeah. if you know what I mean. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, then that's not really helpful either. <laughs> you yeah. know? And in the coaching thing as well, I think another thing that really helped me was looking beyond the circle of which we operate on the internet. Like mm. a coach is not just someone who talks about how much income they make and sells a program to another person who then talks about how much income they make, who then sells a program to somebody who comes back. Oh my That's God. not just it. You know, <laughs> there are so many different types of coaches out there. I often re- try to reflect back on sport. You know, the person mm. who uh coaches Ash Barty like she that's a coach like there are there are all different types of coaches and at the end of the day the the real reason why coaches exist is to help people push past their limitations and that's what a coach is that's why people have coaches as sports that's why people have vocal coaches that's why people have relationship coaches that's why people have business coaches or money coaches or anything like that like a coach is really there to help someone push to become a better version of whatever it is that they're trying to do. And, you know, we have to just, again, kind of like connect back with that and create our own redefinition of what a coach is. And then the more people that that can then play out to, the more that we can reclaim coach, if you will. Yes. And, do you know, my thoughts on this, um, because obviously, you know, there weren't all the coaches that there are now, let's say, 30 years ago, but it's it comes back to exactly what you just said. It's helping people get past their limitations, helping people tap into their potential. And times, you know, times have changed. We have evolved more and more from, you know, build, uh, you know, building industrial things, survival-based living to where we are just at a point in time right now where we are exploring our potential. And that is a more and more available thing for people. And that is, I think, a natural desire of human nature. What is my potential, Mm -hmm. you know, in in all these different areas. And so the fact that, oh, well, people didn't used to have them, like no one needed a coach before. It's like, well, we're in a different time and we've got different values and we're in a different actual position where we don't just have to drudge through life. Like we can explore our potential we we are in a a major kind of creative phase and that's why you know I see there being such a boom of coaches and you know that's that's a very it's just a valid thing of the time is really the way I see it but it's also about distribution as well because 
I would challenge I would challenge that mindset of oh we didn't need coaches back in the day but that's ultimately saying we don't need any job that we didn't have back in the day how many jobs have been created through the process of technology that we didn't have 10 years ago, let alone 30 years ago, new jobs, new titles, new industries are being created every single day. We also didn't have AI inventors back 30 years ago. We also didn't have Genius Bar 30 years ago. You know what I mean? The the Apple Genius Bar. It's just that as we're technologically evolving and there's more opportunity for distribution, there is more opportunity for more people to like step into this space, which makes it seem like it's a bigger thing than it actually is. It's just because we're so... Uh, connected to it. An example of this is like, okay, back maybe 30 or 40 years ago, there weren't as many singers or bands as there are today. The portion of people producing music on a semi or professional level back 30 years ago would have been minuscule to what it is today. It's just because now it's dis- there's so much distribution that it almost seems like every single person is a music producer or a DJ or an artist of some sort because they can distribute it in that kind of way. So everything is becoming more technologically advanced and the coaching space is just another one of those things but I so love what you said um, about like helping people to recognize their potential I think is the biggest thing because there is more potential accessible to us these days we do have more opportunity because of this connectivity but also I think people forget that we are still quite innately a societal species of which we do need one another's support you know to try do things in isolation I'm actually reading the book Ikigai at the moment. And I don't know if everyone's, so it's a really easy read. It's kind of nice, but one of the biggest things that they talk about for happiness, wellness, and longevity is community and supporting mm. one another. And when I, 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 I appease my, my hesitations that I have about the coaching space, when I do think about that, like, why can't it just be about creating a profession because the economy and monetization is just the society that we live in, but creating a profession, that, profession that celebrates this need and desire to help one another. And I know then you may get into the mindset of like, well, we should be doing that for free. But again, we all got to eat, right? (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And well, that's just a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, yeah, I really agree. And, um, and before we just continue to go on more tangents, I want to hear actually about your um, here's some about your business journey. Yeah. So can you tell us how, how and when did you get started with your business journey? What did you start doing? Yeah. Okay. So the short version of a very long story is that mm. I did start my YouTube channel, as you kind of described before, back in 2014. Originally at the time, I was just like creating fitness and lifestyle content, not really having any expectations other than the fact that I'd been given the piece of advice that if you do want to kind of be a digital entrepreneur, which was something that even though I didn't know what it was, it seemed interesting to me. The first thing that you need to do is get online and build an audience. Um, And so literally the next day I started my YouTube channel and I was like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just, I I, I believe that. Like it was just one of those things that I believed in myself. It made sense to me. Every business needs customers, you know, every Mm. brand needs visibility. I've been studying business at the time and I I just got that. And again, I didn't really know where I was going to go, where I was going to take it, but I just kind of just blindly followed my intuition of the one goal, which was I want to build a community. I want to build an audience, Um, not an egotistic following or anything like that, but it was just more, I want to, I want to build these people. I want to build a group of people that I can help and serve or entertain. That's all I wanted to do at the time. 
Um, but then a few years later, I did start to sort of get introduced to the world of like coaching. And I had a lot of really uh, profound life changing moments with the work of, you know, like people like Tony Robbins and Eric Thomas and all those, those people at the time. But I, I just really got into the personal development space and I really wanted to just take that further and help people. Um, and my initial thought was, well, I'll become a business coach because I've got a business degree. I've been online creating content for two or three years now. And at the time, I had a social media marketing agency as well. Um, and then it's just... So that was in 2017. So I started my business coaching business, You know, ultimately just working with one-on-one clients. And I almost don't even know how to describe it from there because it feels like it's been such a whirlwind <laughs> as to how I've got to where I am today. And you like almost started asking me the question before we started recording of like how spirituality connects in with my, with my journey. And like, for me, I do definitely dip into what we traditionally see as spirituality, like practice wise in terms of some of the tools we may use. But what I will say is the biggest thing that I can recognize that's been a constant along my journey of which spirituality has been a part of and personal development has been a part of is coming more into myself. Like Mm. at the beginning when I started my business, I was so heavily influenced by who I thought I needed to be in order to be successful. I was looking at people like, and don't get me wrong, they may be in their authentic truth, but I was looking at people like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield and uh, some of the other business coaches who were around at the time who seemed to have way more of a professional attire and style and approach than I did. And so I really was changing myself. I was changing myself, changing the clothes that I wear, changing the way that I spoke because I thought in order to be seen as a serious woman, I don't know, I'm putting that in air quotes, but like a serious business coach or a serious woman, I felt like weirdly, I felt like I needed to seem older, more mature, more serious and more professional. And for me, I've always, always, always followed that tether of like building an audience and building a community because I feel like that gives you so much opportunity. You want to change your niche. You want to launch a different product. You want to do whatever. Like having a community of people around you gives you so much flexibility and freedom. So it's always been my number one priority. But the biggest link of my own personal journey is connecting back to myself. Like every year I've just made big life decisions or done the work to just become more and more accepting and proud and in love and liking of who I am at my core. And it almost feels like I've done like a 360, no, not a 360 or 180, where I started as this kind of, you know, little rebel girl and then turned into this like morphed myself into, or I don't even want to say morphed myself into, but masqueraded as this like professional woman, which didn't, re- it got me so far, but the happiness side of things can only take you, you know, when you're not truly happy and and vibing in something, you can really only go so far. It's only so sustainable. And then coming back to who I always was, embracing my party side, Mm. embracing my more tomboy side, embracing my immaturity and my silliness and all of these things was actually, like I said before, the thing that ended up exploding my business and therefore then became a part of my message. So I've always wanted to teach people how to build a business I always wanted to teach people how to build an audience because, again, that's what I think is so incredibly important. But now it's more so like I have this thing at the moment called becoming the coolest person I know where I just really want to teach people to build a really good relationship with exactly who they are. Like, yeah, you can 
try new things and develop yourself in areas that maybe are letting you down a little bit, but getting people to just totally take ownership of who they are and then present that version to the online space is the biggest thing that I'm focusing on on my business journey now. Yes. And I would say that that's been, that's the biggest thing that's propelled me forward as well is when I've also, I've had breakthroughs in that area. And it's, you know, it's funny how at the start of my business, especially once I started teaching and talking about money, Mm -hmm. I took on this unconscious thing of like, I've got to present myself really professionally Mm -hmm. to be credible and taken seriously. Yeah. And kind of losing that, that spark and pizzazz. And for me, it's kind of been, um, at the start of COVID, the way I had my business structured just kind of crumbled basically, which was great. I just let it fall apart. And from that, that really helped me refocus back on, well, what do I want? This, you know, this isn't exactly been me or really exactly been what feels like my most authentic expression. And just, I guess, finding a a less attached place. I think maybe this comes back to what we were talking about right at the very beginning, but a place where I, yeah, I can just focus on creating what I want rather than thinking I need to get somewhere. And mm-hmm. that, cause as soon as you engage that, it's, it was like, Oh, well, what do I need to do? How do I need to be? What do people want to hear about? Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, just finding that authentic expression. And I feel like, I feel like it's just a continual journey for me you know, of realizing where I'm not comfortable showing myself and the parts of myself I find difficult to show and what's stopping that and just kind of continuing to peel, peel back those layers of, uh, you know, being, being seen in who I really am. Honestly, I think there's nothing more stifling to our own creativity than pressure and expectation. And I know this can come in the form of perfectionism and comparison and fear because it's so much easier to have something not work when it's not truly yourself or when it's somebody else's strategy or when it's somebody else's message. You know what I mean? Oh, it didn't work. Well, I can point the finger and blame them. But when it's like, well, I really followed my intuition on this one and it flopped, like that can sting a little more. However, talking about even, you know, the coaching space or the business space, and how much it feels like every single person is an online entrepreneur or an online business coach at this stage. I'm not saying necessarily that there's a call for new ideas because I don't think that's very possible these days. I think, you know, it, it's it's just a fact of life that we're all saying the same thing. But if you really want to grow an audience and aligned audience, if you will, or a community of people that feel like your best friends that you connect with, that if you run a program, it's not it's not work. It's just hanging out with your mates or, you know, you do a, a live, you just, you, you get off that absolutely buzzing because it was just such an incredible connective experience. That doesn't happen through you stifling yourself with expectation of what do people want from me and who do I need to be and how is everybody else doing it? Because you're ultimately, it's like being in a relationship with someone. If you're showing up in a mm. relationship with someone and you are masquerading as who you think you need to be for that person, you're always going to feel frustrated. You're always going to feel stressed. It's exhausting. Acting is exhausting. Mm. And so you make it so much more difficult for yourself than just showing that true side. Like, yeah, it might not be that exact partner that you end up with, but if you are your true self, and this sounds super corny, but if you are your true self, it's most likely you're going to attract someone who is 
totally enamored by that version of you. And the same goes for growing your, your audience and therefore your business in the online space. Like when you show up as an expectation of who you think you need to be, a masquerading of who you think you need to be, it's exhausting. And who you therefore attract is the people that are attracted to that version of you, you know, that played out version of you. And then to maintain that is extremely difficult as well. But just trying to get to that space where you have no expectation of where it needs to go or how it needs to look or who it needs to be and just find a practice, a spiritual practice, if you will, or any other type of practice that allows you to connect to your intuition, to adore who you are right now, and then just to post from that space, you literally make everything else easier. And to give some really practical examples of that, like I said, programs that you run become easier because you have so much more fun with the people that are in that program. You don't have to filter yourself to, to cater to a different audience. Creating content becomes so much easier because you don't sit there for like 16 hours trying to perfect it. You're just like, mm. you know, just word vomit and post and whatever it is what it is. I'm going to put it out there into the internet. I literally see people who are like, recording a story takes me half an hour. It should take you as long as it takes to record the story and put the text on. You know what I mean? It shouldn't take you any longer than that. You shouldn't be doing three, four, five, six versions of that. You should say it how you say it that first time and just put it out there, you know? So you save yourself time, you make your processes more efficient, you make the work more enjoyable. And it's from that space that it will grow because everything's working like clockwork versus constantly drudging through the mud trying to make it happen. Yeah, I think there's some really good points. There was something you said that's like kind of skipping my mind right now. Oh, yeah, that you said twice. And I think it's a a really good point is that just around that self-acceptance, you know, you can call it self-love, but I think at the core of self-love, it's self-acceptance. It's Mm -hmm. fully accepting who you are. And I think that's kind of the piece you've got to get to is that I fully embrace me Mm -hmm. and on just such a fundamental level and just allow that to be what I am in all areas of my life. And just Mm -hmm. kind of coming back to the content thing that you were just saying, you know, I used to hate creating content. Really? Oh my God. I used to hate creating content so much. And I literally, I wouldn't create content between offerings. Like, you know, I would have a workshop or I'd have a course and I would create content leading up for it, do the thing. And then nothing like nothing. (laughs) Oh my God. And I would try to like manipulate myself into regularly posting. It just, you know, it would last maybe a week and then it, it would just, it wouldn't work. And I, I thought that I really hated creating content. And now it's funny I love creating content so much and I can't wait for the time I sit down in my week to create, I create my Instagram posts usually in a sitting for the next week. Yeah. And I just love it. I look forward to it and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to create some content. (laughs) What do you think was the biggest change? (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a couple of things. One of them is giving myself permission to just talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about and not being... I want to stand up and like do a lap around the room. That I'm so proud. <laughs> yes, um, you know, and one of the one of the major things for me was not just boxing my work and only talking about money. Yeah. That always got me really stuck because that was just never true for me to only talk about that. Like what you were saying earlier, that kind of niche thing. So that that's one of them. And then the second thing actually was uh, just setting up a structure that was going to help me 
with that flow, which is literally to pay someone to post my posts. I don't yeah. post my posts. I, yeah. I create them and I then I have to give them to someone so that they've got them at the start of the week. So that was just super helpful. And I don't have to, ha- I just don't have to interact with the part of posting it because that for me will bring up my stuff, which I could get over if I wanted to, but I don't like to, I don't want to do it. So I just get someone else to post them. And then I just get to be like in my awesome creative space, putting them all together, give them to someone else. They post Mm. them. Then I go onto my Instagram um, and share them to my stories, maybe write something and that's it. Yeah. And I love that so much because again, it's so easy to get caught up in the idea. People are going to teach their strategies. They're going to teach what worked for them. And that's fine. The language that I hate is when people say like, if you're struggling with content creation, it's because you're not doing X. You know what I mean? It's because you're not doing it this way or doing it that way. There is an infinite number of variable factors that are going to go into you being successful with with content creation, right? There's all of the mindset and the energy behind it. There's the systems behind it. There's the creative process. Like, Think about even just the actual creations of the post and all of the different factors that would go into that. What time of day? What did you do before? What happens after you create it? How are you creating it? The format of which you're creating it, the colors that you're using, like all of these little things are going to be a part of your relationship with content creation. I even know it's so much easier for me to create now because my brand looks different and I resonate with it. Mm. So I'm so much more like proud of it, even just using like a different filter. I'm like, it looks better. And so I enjoy it more. And so it's all these tiny little things and it does take work, but the number one thing that you can do is learn all of the strategies with a grain of salt, see how everybody else is doing it and create your own recipe. Take what works, take what doesn't. Don't believe anyone when they have this definitive, this is the only way to do things. If that works for you, great. If it doesn't, can you take a little bit from it or can you reject it altogether? But finding a process that works for you, you know, the shifts that you said are like, okay, so starting to speak about whatever the fuck I wanted to speak about, sitting down and having a structure about when I create and then having a system for actually putting that out on the internet so that I don't have to slow myself down with limiting beliefs. That's perfect. You know what I mean? Would that exact thing work for somebody else? Probably not. But there are so many lessons that people can learn from that about just trying trying on all the different outfits and seeing which one fits and being patient enough to create your own unique formula to get mm. you to where you want to go. Yeah, find your groove. Yeah. The, the one other thing I would add with that is also like I, I don't feel like this kind of happened in one blinding flash of realisation but but just not feeling like or letting go of, yeah, letting go of, I guess, having an agenda behind the post and feeling like I've got to solve someone's basically life problems and write a freaking essay. <laughs> and this just- is literally my reel that I just posted. Like I'm not even joking before we jumped on this thing. I'm like, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a like kind of uh, annoying post, if you will. Mm. But I literally said like, not everything you post is going to change someone's life. Not everything is going to be like the most profound thought provoking thing you've ever said. Like sometimes it's okay to just talk. And it's weird as well because it's been some times where I've like overthought a post and I thought there's so much value in this and it's like wow, wow. And then I come <laughs> on with like an inane rambling of just absolute shit that's in my mind and then it's like 
you know, a hundred replies. Oh my God, this resonated so much. We make all these assumptions about the way that we think things are going to go when Mm. I love what you said, when you just kind of let go of that and just, I personally think that if you create enough space for yourself and in your mind, what intuitively comes through as inane as it may sound or as like random as it may be, there's a purpose for that. And so all your job is to produce that, to post it, you know what I mean? To say it. Because again, there's been things that I have posted to the internet and I'm like, this is actual shit. And Mm -hmm. it's like, a million views later on a reel or something like that. And then there's been things that I've really, really, really thought were amazing and took a little bit more time to create and they just completely flop. And so it's like over time, not getting attached to any of those particular outcomes, but also trusting that not everything has to be so profound and not everything has to be so different either. Something that gets people caught with content is the fear of repetition When in fact, I say to embrace repetition because it shows security in your messaging. If you're flip-flopping all over the place and talking about, you know, one perspective and then changing your perspective and contradicting yourself constantly, I mean, I contradict myself from previous iterations of myself, but, you know, from one day to another, if you're always looking for something new to say to the point where it becomes so, uh, so broad, if you will, um, it confuses people. You know, you almost have to say the same thing over and over and over again and like be okay mm. with that, but recognize that different examples and different contexts and different moods of which you're in are going to make it feel and sound and be expressed differently. I'm not saying it's bad to talk about different topics. And again, I'm not someone who's sitting here and saying you should have a niche and only talk about one thing, but don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Don't be afraid to say the same thing over and over and over again because sometimes people need to hear that. Totally. And like how, you know, we, we know, like, you know, half the stuff you read that hits you and you're like, oh yes. But we, we just, you know, our unconscious takes over again and we kind of fall into the same things and we always need the same reminders as well. So I Mm -hmm. think it's totally valuable to just see the same message. That's why you put up little post-its on your wall Mm -hmm. because you're like, I need to keep remembering this. Oh my gosh. Every time I see someone post on stories, go drink your water. I was like, Thanks. I'm pretty sure I've been being told that since I was like born, but I actually really needed that today because I'm dehydrated as fuck. <laughs> yes. Um, and oh, there was something else you said. I feel like my brain keeps losing things right now that mm-hmm. I wanted to. So, oh, yes. About, um, you know, you don't know what people, it's going to be what needs to be said, right? So um, one of my main mentors, William Whitecloud says, and I, I love this is like, you're not the judge of your work. It's mm-hmm. not up to you to judge it because you, you know, you think, oh, this is what people will want, or this is what's going to be really good. And the things that you th- can think are like, oh, this is the most amazing, just like you said, can totally flop. <laughs> no one cares. And then things that you thought were total shit, people are like, oh, wow, yes. And so I just, I love that. It's like, you are not the judge of your work. It's, and you know, what you said as well, you're receiving it. You be the channel for it. You let it come through. You don't judge it. You mm-hmm. like stop judging just it. it out there. Just put out what comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read the book "Light Is the New Black" by Rebecca? No, Black? I haven't. It's an it's a really nice book. But um, one, I mean, I don't remember much of it. But one thing that ultimately does stand out to me was a similar line of which she said, 
the things that you create after you post it, it's none of your business, you know. So mm. after you post something, after you create something, after you put what happens next is none of your business. Because again, like exactly like you said, like you're not no we make so many assumptions. We make so many assumptions about the way things are going to go. Mm. And I mean, whether or not those assumptions are there, it's not, I guess, too much of an issue if you're still posting anyway. But the trouble that we get into is we make an assumption that something's too basic or it's been said before or it's not profound enough or it makes me sound not expert enough. We make all of these assumptions and then what happens is people don't post the thing. Like they don't. And then they miss out on an opportunity for really resonating or massive growth. Like just post the thing. Hashtag just post it, right? Really, whatever you feel like. Again, one of my most popular reels on Instagram which has over a million views, is literally like a three-second video. I'm pretty sure it's three seconds of me doing this tiny little dance and then it says direction is more important than speed. You know, it literally is like the most basic quote that I'm sure everyone's Mm. been heard before, but something about that post resonated with people. I can't describe it and I'm not going to make an assumption about it either, but it Mm. brought in so many like new people to my community. It generated so much conversation and it's just like the tiniest little thought now I will say on that I'm not going to every single post just create like ultra surface level stuff I would say that that's quite a surface level post it's just a nice inspirational quote with a tiny little butt shake you know what I mean it's not by any means value I don't think that people would necessarily be purchasing my products if I was just sharing Pinterest quotes all the time you know what I mean like there still has to be layers to your content you know I go live and I do express a lot of lessons I share a lot of personal things on my podcast you know a lot of lifestyle stuff on the YouTube channel so there is a degree of different things but if I am always just chasing the most profound ideas the amount of content that I put out onto the internet would be half probably even less a quarter and I would miss those opportunities that maybe they don't sell my products necessarily but they bring people in so that the other content Mm. does its purpose of either connecting or converting or compensating whatever it may be so some things are going to be really profound some things aren't and it's all just going to work itself out over time yes I love that and such a great example Okay, so let's get to let's get some, to some talk about sex. I think I think we're due for it. <laughs> yes, yes, I was so afraid you weren't going to ask. <laughs> well, so I'd love to know. Um, in terms of like you mentioned earlier, I can't remember if it was before. We, no, it must have been once we were recording. Yeah, um, about that being an avenue for being connected to yourself. So I'd love to hear more about that. And has that been, mm-hmm. um, you know, has that been a relationship you've always had to your sexuality or something that's developed, you know, more in recent years? So for me, I would say that this concept has evolved. Like at the end of the day, it is embodiment, right? It's, mm. it's. I believe that so many of us, because of the way that our society is set up, are literally living from like the neck up. Like most mm. people are so numb and disconnected from their bodies that, of course, the main space of which they live in in their mind, and that can be kind of a dangerous space to spend so much time in because so much of our thoughts are negative, and that's just the bias that we have as human beings. It's not something that we should you know, fixate on and have to change and only think Mm. positive. I think just let it be, be an observer and that's fine. But another alternative to having to be a meditation guru and always just be in the observer Mm. state 
is embodiment, is actually getting into the body. When you're in the body, when you're having embodied experiences, it's not that your thinking mind necessarily switches off, but it definitely, definitely, definitely doesn't feel so intense as sometimes it does when we're just kind of focusing on those thoughts so obsessively. And so for me, it's not just sex, but it's anything that kind of gets me into my body and out of my mind has been something that I've always tried to explore. But at the end of 2020, I actually ended my long-term relationship and um, kind of went on a little bit of a journey connecting to myself, not just sexually again, but after the end of that breakup, I we were in lockdown in, in Melbourne for like six months or something. So I, I was living alone for the first time ever in my life. I was in lockdown, spending a lot of time alone. So you kind of got to build a good relationship with yourself and, you know, you get horny. So <laughs> there was like, I started doing, out of coming out of that relationship, I started doing a lot of exploration about connection to self, self-empowerment and all of these different things. One of the books that I read at the time was Pussy, A Reclamation. And I loved, loved, loved that book, honestly, just about like the spiritual connection that can come out of our relationship with, you know, our, our ourselves and our sexuality. Um, but for me, it's it's been... Yeah, it's been more so less less about like the sex itself. Like I'm so mm. open to that. Like I love, like I have a partner now, super, super sexually expressive. Like I always talk about, I, I think like masturbation is like such a good way. If you're stressed, if you're tired, like I think it's such a good thing. And I think we should be able to be open and have conversations about this. But at the end of the day, I think it's just so much about feeling. Like that's mm. the thing. Like it's, yeah, there's stimulation that feels good sexually, but also like, this seems morbid to link onto that conversation, but I love the feeling that I get of Muay Thai, like being punched in the face, like, you know, whatever, whether it be like, uh, 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 you know, struck by someone's kick or something like that, or when it's riding my motorbike, like the vibrations of that and like the feeling it gets to be like launching in the air on like a dirt bike or something like that. Like I personally, for such a long time in my life as well, due to things from, you know, the way that I grew up and maybe some of the Australian mentality, the suck it up Mary mentality that we have here in Australia as well. And then uh, denying my true feelings in my relationship for so long, like it was probably about two years that I knew something wasn't right, but because that sunk cost bias, you know, we'd been together for so long, we had a house, we were engaged. Mm. And so you kind of just push those feelings aside. So I definitely lost touch with how it felt to feel. It sounds really weird, but mm. I really did become numb or like lose touch with how it felt to feel. And so then my journey since leaving that relationship and through sexuality and through embodiment has been how can I actually notice not just my thoughts but feel my feelings as well, feel the physical sensation of stimulation or embodiment or emotion in my body. Like something that I've started doing recently is um, I learned it from the book the wild woman's way really good book i really liked it but she talks about this concept of like non-linear movement i love to mm. dance i've always loved to dance but she talks about like putting on music and just moving you know you see people doing like more like expressive dance movements to shift energy like if you're feeling anger like express that you don't have to dance with the bead or anything like that it's just about moving your body and stuff like that and i just for me the biggest benefit out of this whole journey sex and hobbies and all of these things and connecting to my feelings is I do think it became 
it helped me to become a more, I don't want to say like powerful manifester, but it just like, it helped me to connect to creativity. It helped me to connect to my vision. It helped me to get more excited. And that changed my mood, which changed my uh, sort of the way I was showing up online. And then the reception of that, you know, I created my new program. Oh, it's not new now, but a program that I run called Influencer Vibes based on that period of time where I really was going through that sexual exploration and getting building my relationship to myself and focusing on embodiment and connecting to myself and all of these different things because I kept getting messages from people going, oh, my God, you're such a vibe. Your vibe has changed. Like, you're such a vibe. And I was like, it's not this freaking strategies that has changed. Mm. I'm still posting the exact same type of content. But it's the way I feel because I can now feel about myself and the connection that I have to myself through these embodiment practices that the reception of the same content just feels different to people. So in a business sense, it helped from that perspective. But I think just getting out of your head and into your body, oh my God, it's the creme de la creme, <laughs> I yes. believe anyway. <laughs> there is, I've, I think there's about... 10 or maybe 20 different things that I want to speak to from what you just said. (laughs) But yes, you know, and something that I I think you emphasized, which I would really agree with, it's like, it's not just about sex. So it's not just about exploring your sexuality. It's about all the parts and how they're all connected and they all integrate. And it's all part of being in yourself and, and being kind of not finding the right words for it, but yeah, being embodied and being connected to the core of you. And that's something, you know, you you can get to a degree of that through mental spaces, but through embodiment, Mm -hmm. which, you know, sexuality practices are a part of, um, but, you know, other hobbies that you do, other activity, other dance, non-linear movement, ecstatic dance, all of that connecting into the core of you and the creative energy and expression that can mm-hmm. flow from that. And, you know, a word that I like to use that I, I feel you were describing a lot there is that aliveness, that mm-hmm. feeling. It's about following the aliveness. In Tantra, it's about the aliveness, going mm-hmm. like feeling and being in tune with that ecstatic current of life. And that mm-hmm. is going to move you. Like that's where your flow is going to be. And, you know, what you create from there, like, yeah, you can be kind of employing the same strategies, but what you create is going to be so different. Like, Mm -hmm. because if it's just from your head and there's no life force, it's Mm -hmm. just going to be like cardboard. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Eating cardboard. And then if it's got life force in it, like that, that's got so much energy behind it and it's, you know, it's more magnetic for people. You're also going to be actually drawing on more originality, yeah. you know, be- because you're, you're connected to intuition. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just all part of it. Something that I also really loved from that book that I read um, was she talks about how so many of us do have this mentality of pushing our emotions down and, I think not a lot of people think about where they go. Like they get Mm. when we don't express our emotions because we're upset or angry or whatever it may be and we just kind of push it down because we're trying to avoid the feeling of that or because we think that it's not appropriate to express ourselves authentically. Like that emotion has to go somewhere and that's why whether you believe this or not, I do believe that they do get trapped in the body. Like the stagnancy Mm -hmm. of those emotions get trapped in the body and 
it has to be a thing because that's why EFT, you know, tapping has become so big because the purpose of that is to move that physical or emotional pain from your current experience. But what she talks about in the book is like where uh, very similar to animals in the way that when they experience some kind of emotional fear, what they actually do, like the examples that she gives is there's like an antelope that's being chased by a lion and that antelope gets away. Obviously, that's an extremely stressful situation. You'll actually see the antelope afterwards shaking uncontrollably and making like noises and then they just frolic off. Mm-hmm. And it's like that shaking and like the release of that emotion is the thing that actually helps that stress get released, that trauma get released, that fear get released, and then they just kind of move on. And I'm not saying it's exactly the same in the human experience, but like when we just push everything down and don't allow ourselves to feel the range of emotions in our bodies as well as obviously through any type of communication that is required, then we're trapping things. So expressing yourself and and there's lots of different practices that you can do. I think having an orgasm, like allowing yourself to have that involuntary experience of release is a really powerful way to move emotion. Dance, breath work, screaming, like Mm. singing. And it does allow more of an energetic flow because we aren't so blocked up by these negative experiences. Tapping is also a really good one as well. I mean, it's it's like choose your poison, you know what I mean? You've got to find something that works for you. Movement definitely is the thing that works for me, but some people love, yeah, to, to use breath work or, or or create a visualization to allow, you know, cleansing energy. What you just got to find something that works for you, I reckon. Yeah, and you you know you feel it as vague as that might sound. It's like when you let it move, like mm-hmm. you feel the surge of energy. It's like you freed up more space for life force to come through you because you're not like stuffing it down. You, mm-hmm. You're literally releasing it like that shaking of an animal. It's like literally releasing it from your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like it all um, gets stuck. And uh, so, so having that move and just on the point of the sexual energy as well, like that is like this engine, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned earlier when you're tired, when you're stressed, all of this, it's like, you can actually you use this to generate energy in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that then, you know, translates through again to your life. And I would say from your content that, it, you know, I've been observing recently, there's just so much life force in it. Like you just show up with full life force, you know, and it's so, that's, it's so magnetic and it's so energizing and it's so inspiring and it really is, yeah, that embodiment piece. Yeah. I think the other last like benefit that I will say as well from the more sexual side of things is it's another opportunity for us to break down some of the limitations that specifically of women as women have kept us Mm. like trapped for a while you know so many women are so afraid to take up space or to be loud or to be opinionated Mm. or to be whatever that full expression of themselves because you know societally for such a long time it just wasn't acceptable and I think one of the areas of which there have been so many biases towards 
uh, or against women and something that really a lot of people do struggle with is their sexuality. And it's beautiful that it's becoming such a big conversation these days and there's so many different expressions of sexuality. But whether or not it's public, you don't have to go online and Mm. speak about, you know, how you just had an amazing orgasm, but like, there's so many women that are even too ashamed to engage in that, you know, engage in yes. self-touch or to create, to express themselves truly as they want to even sex with the partner that they've been with for 10 years, you know? And so it's, it can be a really beautiful private way of breaking through some of those societal and collective limitations of how a woman should be. So for me as well, like expressing and embracing my own sexuality and allowing myself to have these wild experiences for nothing other than pleasure and, you know, release and and all of these things, even every single thing that I ever thought about, you know, sex or what a woman should be or how she needs to be professional, all these things that we spoke Mm. about before, they really do start to break down and allows for me personally just to connect with, well, it feels fucking good, so I'm going to do it. You know, and that seeps into other areas of my life. Again, I'm not going on the internet being like, you have to have a bunch of wild sex in order to feel good, but it allows me to connect with some things can be done just because they feel good. And when things feel good, like it's so much more, like it's so much more enjoyable. Yes. But just like taking that into business, it makes so much, everything so much easier as well. So embracing pleasure is a big thing that came out of that too. Yeah. Wow. So many great points that you're making. And, you know, it's, I think it's a really powerful point. Part of what can make the sexuality piece such an empowering piece is that there's, we unconsciously hold so much limitation and blocks around it. So Mm -hmm. to free ourselves is actually like a really big freeing up of our energy and our power and, you know, not keeping yourself as small and it also coming back to that, you know, how we stuff down feelings and emotions, you know, one of the ultimate things we've been stuffing down our whole lives is our sexuality, getting all Mm -hmm. these messages about as, as women specifically, what it's okay to feel and not feel. And you should be like a desirable sexual item, but you also shouldn't be a slut and you shouldn't be asking for it and all of this. And so there's literally in your body so much stuck sexual energy in mm-hmm. your pelvis. Yeah. yeah. And to to move that and allow that energy through is, a, is it just another way of opening up your entire body, which is opening up your entire system and your energy um, and all of that as well. So yeah, such great points. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. I love the way that you described that. Oh my God. You need to come on my podcast and we need to have this exact <laughs> same conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just posted both. <laughs> I loved yes. it. I loved it. Wow. Well, there's so much more we could talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to have you back on. Um, but I think we should wrap this up here. So just before we finish, I, I want to ask one final question, which is what a piece of advice would you give yourself if you could give yourself your earliest version of yourself starting your business, one piece of advice, what would it be? What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) I would say that. I would literally say that. I would like, who even are you? Like, no, I I mean, I, I think I expressed it before, but I think the biggest thing is that I wish I had a way to prove to myself that being myself was Mm. the way forward. You know, I think I 
I don't regret anything because now I have such a beautiful story to tell and beautiful examples to give of what the opposite looks like and feels like. But I feel like I did waste a lot of time. I feel like if I was Mm. who I am today, which is who I always was, I could be quote unquote further along. But even that's such a weird concept because I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be again with the lessons that I've learned. But I made it 10 times, 20, 100 times more difficult for myself And I went through like an entire year of chronic self-doubt and confusion and just like I'm a very I can kind of push through kind of person Um, in human design like I'm a generator like I can just keep moving forward and keep taking action and kind of sometimes push those emotions aside and, and don't really let how I feel dictate what I do but it doesn't mean that I'm having fun you know what I mean and so I would say that for 2018 my second year in business it just felt like everything I was doing was so difficult And then 2019, started maybe exploring a little bit more. But, you know, I guess towards the end of 2020, and and there there was like physical expressions of my unhappiness. Like I gained so much weight, not saying gaining weight or anything is bad, but like for me, that no matter what I was doing, I was just like gaining weight. And I guess that's from the stress and all these different things as well. And, you know, it came out in my, my skin and everything like that. And I think those were the biggest things. Like people started to notice those physical changes as well because you just again it's not about weight loss or anything about you just vibe differently you know you shine Mm. differently when you're connected to yourself and so I think I made it really difficult for myself but again I don't regret it because I wouldn't be able to help as many people as I can today because I wouldn't be able to empathize in the way that I do when people Mm. aren't expressing themselves so yes I would say to my younger self as I say to everyone else just be who you are and love the fuck out of that but again it wouldn't change a thing Mm. Wow. So good. Thank you. Yes, welcome. All right. So before we wrap up, um, I would love it if you could share a bit about Simply Business because you've got this amazing signature program and it, I think it's going to be coming up for enrollment again soon. So can you tell um, our listeners a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Simply Business is honestly one of my favorite, favorite programs. So, I mean, at its core, not to sugarcoat it, it is a program that teaches you how to build a business. You know, it's a it's a course that teaches you how to build a business and going through all the individual things. But like that's the Cliff Notes version of it. Me, one of my biggest passions is bringing people together. So Simply Business is actually a group program that I run probably once or twice a year. And I have so many messages from people in the past saying that, yes, they loved the content. They love how they learned how to create products and services and price that and all the things, all the business things that you need Mm. to learn, right? But the biggest benefit that they had was the calls, you know, the community, like this round that's just wrapping up now, all of the ladies had a chat without me, which I know I adored. And they were always sending me screenshots of like the conversations of how they were like telling each other that they loved each other. And there's another girl messaged me being like, oh my God, me and, you know, this other person were like best friends now and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I really think one of my purposes here on this planet is to bring people together. I was so fucking lonely at the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And I really like we were even saying before the coaching thing, Mm. I really think it's so hard to do things in isolation. We need support. We need accountability. We need alternate perspectives. We need feedback. We need someone to talk to. And so, yes, it's a program that will build you, help you build a business, but it's so much more about the community, the conversation, the connection, the collaboration, and also me there being your coach. I'll take ownership of that word to help you get through your limitations, as we said before, to realize the potential and just to answer any questions that are going to keep you stuck along the way. 
Yes, I love that. And I love that you've got that community component. And it's it's really being in that that helps move people, you know, into action, move forward, move within themselves. So that's really powerful. So how can people find out more about that if they're listening to this? So if you just go to thechillpreneur.co.com, I don't know, we'll leave it in the links, right? I don't even know what <laughs> yes, my website is. Or just come follow me on Instagram because I'm going to start speaking about it more regularly. Um, there's going to be a wait list that is going to open up really soon, I think next week. And then the enrollment opens up at the end of March. Great. And so then in terms of other places to find you online, obviously your Instagram. You want to go follow Erin on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? At Erin May Henry. Yes, um, you, you're going to absolutely love it. And also your YouTube channel. YouTube, podcast. I haven't posted and on podcast, YouTube yes. in like four months, but I don't know, something about it is calling me back. So it's funny that you say that. Um, but yeah, podcast as well. The Chillpreneur podcast is, you know, where I have similar conversations like this. It's just really raw, authentic chats about all things business. Great. Okay. Well, all of those links will be um, in the episode description. So thank you so much, Erin, for coming on. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's just so much more. But I know. I know. <laughs> you have to come on my podcast and we'll be like, that can be the second part of this conversation. Okay. Okay. Yes. So there's going to be part two on Erin's podcast. So you definitely have to go subscribe to that and um, we'll see you over there. Awesome. Thanks, lovely. <laughs> Wow. I told you, right? How freaking awesome was that interview? Erin is such an inspiration. I have followed Erin for many years and I'm so inspired by her journey and her content and her commitment to authenticity. And I guess where I feel really like-minded to Erin, well, in a lot of places as you would have Uh, seen through the episode, but is also in finding what's true, what actually changes people, what actually what actually works, what is actually the mechanism behind it. And I've always seen Erin being dedicated to that. So I'm not surprised at all that this is where she has got to with her journey um, and that we've, you know, we've found similar things through our journeys. So Huge thank you to Erin for joining us for that episode. And I would absolutely love to hear what your top takeaway was from it. So please, please, please um, either screenshot this episode where you are right now, share it to your stories, share what your top takeaway or takeaways were, and you can tag me and both myself and Erin, or just send me a DM on Instagram at alexh.co and tell me what were your top takeaways from this episode. I would love to hear. And if you do that, the more messages that I get or the more shares that I get, um, the you know, that's going to tell me to bring Erin back on the podcast. And if you would love to, you know, hear more from Erin on the podcast, you can also include in your message to me what you would love us to talk more about. All right. Sending you so much love and I will see you in the next episode.